Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that has stumbled across the power of the song story and just keeps running with it. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is December Jade. December is founder of Set Life Pro, a multimedia platform that showcases the Southwest Florida music and art scene in ways that aim to help build an inclusive community to celebrate all things creative. She says she looks at the Southwest Florida music scene in both a journalistic reporting sense and as a fan. If she isn't in the front row of all the events around town enjoying the music and documenting for social media, that's when they're happening in person, that is. December is in the editing room working on the website, upcoming zines, and booking upcoming shows. Prior to her involvement with the music community, December had her hands in the local independent filmmakers community, from prop design and FX makeup to winning Best Actress at the 2019 Bonita Springs Film Festival for her first lead role in a short film called A Related Matter. Her bio ends with, quote, Legend says she's still working on ways to make herself in three places at once, and I can definitely relate to that. But now, it's time for those song stories. Hey there, December. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Okay, I'm doing great. First thing we got to do is talk about the spelling of your name. I got to do this. <laughs> is that the name that you were given, or did you do that for search engine optimization? Oh, no, that's the name of my birth certificate. <laughs> well, your parents knew about SEO before it was a thing, because when I went to Google, just your first name, you have the entire first page of Google. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. But no, it's like your work stuff. It's like, you know, it's all it's all the things that you do. So I think somebody could just try to find you and they can just, if they get your name right, they're going to find you, which is not a normal thing on the internet for most people. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. Out this, I always you know, get my, my name as my username, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, exactly. Like, that was like the creepiest thing you've ever said. <laughs> what? Like someone can, fi- they can find you. You know they can find you. I'm well, like, oh dear, now she's I afraid. I get the feeling she's in a business where she would hope to be easier found than not, right? <laughs> I yeah, mean, it helps. <laughs> that's very true. Okay, point taken. If, if you didn't do what you did, I wouldn't have said that. So, okay. <laughs> um, what was the musical background of your childhood, and where was that? Um, feel like the majority of my childhood music memories are the back seat of my parents' car, and just kind of whatever CD they decided to put on play for the next three days. So they would play a cd over and over again mm-hmm. <laughs> and where was that um we we predominantly lived in like the lehigh fort myers area at that time okay so southwest florida though. yeah you grew up around here yeah okay and so what would they have been listening to on those cds um if it's my dad's car it's probably toby keith or hank williams jr maybe some eminem uh, my mom would be more of a typo negative Garth Brooks, uh, Aerosmith, Bon Jovi, um, Rob Zombie. Uh, earliest musical memory you can recall if I press you to try to dig back? Uh, going to the before school care program in elementary school at like five, six in the morning. My mom had uh, one of the Now That's What I Call Music soundtracks. And I remember towards the middle of the album, it was Jessica Simpson, Take My Breath Away, followed by Hoobastank, The Reason. 
<laughs> and just like being so emotional at eight years old, hearing those two songs back to back. That's a really great answer <laughs> for that question. Had you given that thought or was that something you just Every recalled? time I hear those songs, I think about that moment. That was crazy. That's the perfect example. And that was a little memory that was formed when you were like a kid kid. Yeah. I mean? That's crazy. Was there any of the music that your folks were playing that you were like, eh, I can use less of that? Or were you just kind of an accepting listener? Uh, well, both of my parents are pretty open-minded with music. Uh, and as I started to develop my own taste of music, they would adapt to some of mine as well. So uh, pretty easy going for the most part. I mean, some of Toby Keith's patriotic music can be a little bit too much after like the fourth, fifth listen in a row. <laughs> for the third day in a row. When you're like riding to Bush Gardens and it just keeps going over and over again the whole two-hour drive. Yeah. What was the first musician or band or something that you found that you like, you know, glommed onto? Mm. It would have definitely been like beginning of YouTube era. MySpace was still popular. Uh, probably... Steven Jerzak, who it was like similar to Never Shout Never, Christopher Drew. Um, it's Tara, just like a guy with a ukulele. <laughs> <laughs> Very like poppy ukulele yeah. music. Well, and it's like when you could set up on MySpace, you, you used to be able to actually set like a whole playlist at one point of songs. So when people came to your profile, you had a literal like aesthetic to your mm -hmm. whole look and feel, Mike. People call it a brand nowadays. I joined MySpace <laughs> once and was on it for one reason, and I accomplished that reason, and then I got off it. I used MySpace so to try to talk to musicians. <laughs> I used to actually have a thing I called Terra Explosion, and I would actually write because I wanted to be like Rolling Stones. So I wanted to write about bands, and I gave them like a report card for like originality and musicality yes. and technicality and things. And ba uh, bands eventually started writing me and asking me not to come to their shows. <laughs> Wow. Because I guess I That's was like just saying, too you're honest. You're so easy the to truth find. Hurts. <laughs> yeah, you're so easy. To, like, Stop coming to my shows. You're, you're, you're writing bad things about us. <laughs> so was the aesthetic of your MySpace page like, like quirky dudes with ukuleles then? Uh, no, it was definitely like ukuleles. a scene being kind of like... I want to be edgy and emo, but I'm 12 ah. kind of aesthetic. But yeah, like I, black eyeliner. Yes. <laughs> this kind of hair, Mike. Turn over your shoulder. I'm going to show you. Is it an actual picture of me? Cause no, it's not you. Like, it's just like, like the aesthetic of the emos. It's like the, uh, it's like the Chris guy, the Garth Brooks spinoff that didn't work. This guy with like I can't see that close. Oh, I put my glasses on. There, get them on. Yeah. Like that guy with his weird mullet hair and his like yeah. rat tails. Okay. So was that, was that when you were trying to find musicians, was that sort of the beginning of what led you down the road to do the kinds of things you do today? Uh, no, not really. Huh. Uh, I didn't get involved with uh, any of the music community or booking or anything until 2017. Okay. I started going to open mics in 2016, but I was uh, I veered off more into film. I got really into mm -hmm. like TV production in high school and uh, wanted to be a filmmaker. So I went down that route and joined that community first before okay. I knew about the music community. We will talk about that. Uh, one last question before your first song, though. Um, Musician, instruments, band, did you play anything? Um, I attempted to play the tenor sax in middle school. 
uh, I feel like I could have gone somewhere with it, but then I had um, one of the bottom keys got bent, so then it just sounded terrible. My parents begged me to stop playing, basically. So they didn't fix the instrument. They <laughs> forced you to quit. <laughs> okay. Uh, time for your first song. What would you like to do? Uh, okay, so I picked this song. Um, it was definitely an influential song for my mom's side growing up. Um, but it, it's one of my favorites from this artist, and it uh, I would credit it as to like my appreciation for good songwriting and how you could tell a story um, through a song. Why'd you pick this one in particular? This song in particular is that? Yeah, yeah. Like I, as a child, definitely still in like elementary school age, do, has no understanding of the meaning of the song. But I just like felt the emotions and I understood how I was supposed to feel without even knowing what it meant. Huh? And does it take you back to a particular place or time or anything like that that you can recall? It's definitely one of those like jamming in the car with my mom kind of memories. What kind of car would it have been? Would you, can you remember that? Uh, radio scene. It would. It could have been back when she had her little Saturn or her Avalanche truck. We're going to imagine the truck. <laughs> this is uh, the last, or this is last cigarette by Bon Jovi from his 2005 album. Have a nice day. That's one of the most underrated Bon Jovi songs ever. <laughs> Did you know, like Bon Jovi, who he was, where he'd been, what you know, like his background? He was in that band. Uh, yeah, bits and pieces. Uh, I mean, obviously didn't comprehend a whole lot of it as a kid, but, um, I just remember like growing up and all of my friends hating on Bon Jovi so much. <laughs> Tara, Tara was hating on him a little bit. <laughs> but I was like, this song's so good. <laughs> Sorry, Tara. Threw you under the no, Bon Jovi it, it's bus. it's totally fine. It's just like, I, it's just like one of the things with him, which is my mom loves him too. And I like, we're, what was the I'm name of that Jersey. band? What was the name of that band he was in? What? Bon Jovi? Oh, it's Bon Jovi. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, December. We're weird people. <laughs> um, uh, are you a Bon Jovi fan in general? I mean, still to this day? Uh, I mean, I don't get mad when I hear a Bon Jovi song. Okay. You don't hate on but it. But I don't, don't go, like, seek out of my way. Every once in a blue moon, I come back to this song in specific, usually. Yeah? Yeah. Is it, like, comfort song for you in some way? I think so, because it just, like, reminds me of, like, positive, you know... Um, and it, it kind of goes into my second song a little bit where I have like a rough patch with my parents and like this era of my childhood, I was really close with my mom and it was like a special time in my relationship with her. You know, and it, when you emailed us too, you know, because we, we usually ask people to send them a little bit of a summary, you know, of the songs, you know, it seems like this particular song, it, did it seem a little bit more the fact that you're with your mom and that song happened to come on and that it made you feel these you know, different sort of nostalgic kind of feelings, like different poetic sort of lyrical, um, you know, experiences you hadn't had before. So you said it was kind of a gateway for you. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like uh, prior to that, you know, I could sing along with Take My Breath Away, but it wasn't something that really clicked with me. But Last Cigarette, I was just like, whoa, metaphors, similes, you know? <laughs> what specifically about that song, like what kind of, what, what line when you think of that song, what jumps out to you the most? Um, well, listening back to it, I, it 
cracks me up at the end when he's like, you always lose the girl. Because as a kid, I was like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Where did she go? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is she around that corner? Um, uh, oh, man. Um, film. You mentioned film. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you got into in high school, you said? Or you started with like TV production or something like that? Um, I've found a tape from one of those like big old video cameras that my grandpa had that uh, from a Christmas one year and he handed me the camera and I just walked around doing director's commentary on everybody's opening their presents. So I'm pretty sure that's where it stems from. Wow. Okay. But uh, it wasn't until high school that I really got to experience that. And I was fortunate to have a TV production teacher that didn't want us to just do the news. He wanted us to be creative and would give us challenges, like take a piece of literary work from a textbook or, and, you know, and try to make something out of it. Where did you go to school? I went to Riverdale High School up until my senior year, and then I went to Island Coast. And who was the TV production person there? Uh, Derek Taylor and then uh, Debbie Wheeler. Um, were you guys doing like morning news for the whole school, but you being creative or were you getting to do other side projects and stuff too? Uh, we would always get the news accomplished uh, the end of first period. Because when I went to Riverdale, they only had it the first two periods of the day. Uh, I believe now it's expanded to more than that. So we would spend like the first half of the day getting to work on a creative project, whether it was making up our own parody music video or trying to create our first short film. And then we would have to like spend the last 20 minutes getting the news out there and then publicize right before the end of first period. And what were you shooting on and editing on at that point? Mm, very old equipment that required us to take tapes and so, transfer. So you were digitizing tapes and then editing them digitally at a fairly low resolution. Unlike Windows Movie Maker. Oh, Until, like, okay. You'll bring it on year. down. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I started off on Windows Movie Maker. Not um, like you kids today getting iMovie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, for real. Oh, well, it's good, though, because you learn the basics, because it's still the same thing. It's just there's fancier ways to tweak around it and stuff like that. So um, when did you first get involved with an independent film that was not involved with school somehow? Mm, uh, I mean, technically, the first uh, independent film I worked on was for my friend Nick Tortoise. Uh, he did a short film called The Hunt in like 2013-2014 that he was using to get himself into a program at UCF. I did some little bit of prop work and some makeup work. Uh, felt like I really didn't do a whole lot on that set, but I was very new to doing something besides a school project. But I went to high school with him, so that's why he brought me on. And you've been involved with several more since then, right? Yeah, I was fortunate to meet a lot of uh, cool individuals in the local scene that like hit me up you know, every couple of years, and they're like, hey, I have this project that it would be great if you could help for. So most of my credits are for effects makeup, but I've done a couple acting pieces since then, um, script supervising, prop work. Did your bio say you just won an award? Yeah, I won uh, Best Actress. <laughs> Try to distract that out of you. <laughs> Last year, uh, for the first lead role I've ever had, I almost like didn't take it, um, just because acting's not really the thing I want to do. But then I figured it would just be a cool experience regardless. Hmm. And it paid off. <laughs> What's the name of that film? A Related Matter. And are you doing anything newer than that? Um, I just worked with the same director. I did some effects makeup for a project he's working on called 
uh, every second counts. Hmm. And I am in the pre-production process of writing my own script. Ah. Um, you going to make those guys make it for you? Since I, all the work you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to outsource a couple of those individuals. But then I have some friends that have always wanted to get into filmmaking. Oh, cool. So you're going to instigate something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And then um, I mentioned to you that horror podcast before we started recording. Uh, my friends Shay and Todd that do that, they actually have been working on their own horror-themed script, too. So we're going to try to tag-team them both and do a double feature for them. Cool. My sister uh, was an actress at college and stuff like that, and then she moved out to, well, she moved from New York, then she went around the world on a cruise ship for years, and then she went to L.A., and where she really ended up finding her niche was in makeup. She does, still to this day, she does makeup for m- movies and stuff like that, shows up with her little kit and does her thing. So it's... It's an easy way to, I think it's an easier way to pursue that world. Yeah, and you still get to be creative. I mean, my favorite thing to do is work on, like, thriller sets, crime-related, where I get to kill someone basically is fun. <laughs> okay. And gunshot wounds, <laughs> I enjoy that. <laughs> um, okay, so what would you say was the most overplayed song ever in your brain? The song that you would rather just never hear again for whatever reason, because it's been played too much. The cha-cha slide. Nice. <laughs> cha-cha, real smooth. I walk away anytime I hear that on public. Richard, Richard can hear me somewhere in the ether. Note that you need to insert the cha-cha slide into this portion. Of the slide to the left. You know that song, right, Mike? Uh, I slide can Im- to the left. Okay, yeah, that, that one. Slide to the right. I figured it had the word Annoy slide everyone. in it. Annoy everyone. Clap, clap. <laughs> I think I saw a YouTube video of that at some point. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, uh, movie soundtracks. Do you like movies that have music in them? Do you have any that have soundtracks that you like? I'm trying out some new questions in case you're wondering. (laughs) (laughs) They kind of asked me a similar question um, on Swamp Fever, and I was a little stumped then, too. Um, I know I definitely appreciate, but, like, a specific soundtrack? Uh, I guess... It's going to be really cheesy, but A Walk to Remember is probably my favorite soundtrack. Walk oh, to Remember. Tara? more. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> What's it about? Remember. For real, Mike. It is about... I'll just never <laughs> say it. Sorry. It's uh, I. It's one of those movies that I've watched... Like, I will watch if I was sick in high school Is at it about home. two dogs finding their way home? No, it isn't. December? Take it away. Oh, man. A Walk uh, to Remember. Um, It's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, basically it's like... Shy, awkward girl, doesn't really fit in, ends up uh, having to do, like, a school play with the cool guy. And then it's just, like, classic, generic high school romance where they end up, you know, falling for each other. But she's sick, and it's sad, and all the emotions. (laughs) Yeah, she has, like, terminal disease, and she's, like, a, a pastor's daughter, and he's a bad boy, and they fall in love, and all that. Oh, yeah. That's certainly what would have my been right team, on my radar. My teen heart is just <laughs> exploding. Is it on the Hallmark Channel? Probably. Probably. <laughs> I was kidding, but maybe I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, or Lifetime. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, uh, if you were a cocktail or drink of some kind, what would you be? <laughs> She's laughing. <laughs> um, well, pre-COVID... It would have probably been a tequila and pineapple. Um, But then my quarantine drink was a combination of 
seltzer, hard seltzer, um, with rum and a splash of whatever juice is in the fridge. Okay. It's like a... It's a fruity cocktail. Tropical, kind of. You Are can, you... like, freeze the seltzer just a little bit, so you don't need to put ice in it, and then it just, like, melts, and then there's more alcohol in it. And then it's just... It, what is it? Uh, the office. She said it's second drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just second drink. When the ice melts, it's second drink. Are you a claw is the law type of type of human? The white claw is the law? Um, I kind of like other <laughs> seltzers more. I've actually been a real big fan of a couple of the Fort Myers Brewing seltzers I've tried recently. The mojito nice. one, the watermelon. Um, so I'm definitely not a, a snob when it comes to the seltzer. I'm willing to try any of them. So I like that. Is that what the claw is? Is it a seltzer that has alcohol in it? Mm-hmm. It's got like 5% APV in it. Is it like Zima? Yes, Mike, it is, because it's all like, no carbs, but they just literally rebrand Zima, made it a bunch of other flavors, and then they still have Zima. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, they still have Zima. I was there when Zima came out. It was a big deal. I was there when Zima (laughs) came out. (laughs) This is going to be a theme in this episode. I've been wanting to ask that question about Claude. Back in my day, we only had Zima. (laughs) I didn't didn't drink Zima, but I knew a lot of girls that did. It's still on brand then. Uh, okay, um, time for song number two. <laughs> uh, mid- midnight Memories? What do you want to do? Uh, <laughs> um, so when I graduated high school, I started college at FGCU. Um, there was a lot of uh, drama, tension in my family life at the time and it ended up with my parents uh moving to miami for a job offer for my dad and they were just kind of like all right kid figure it out (laughs) so i stayed with my best friend maria we shared a bedroom bathroom and closet for over six months as two 19 year old girls and uh we were both going through some really hard times with family stuff, and uh, we kind of just took any money we made from tips and kept putting it aside for concerts. And our first arena concert we went to together was my first ever, and it was One Direction, which I wasn't a fan at first, but then she kind of forced it upon me. <laughs> um, but... We would ride to FGCU for our 8 a.m. class every day, listening to their new album, and Midnight Memories was one of the songs on there. And we would just, like, scream at the top of our lungs, Midnight Memories, with all the windows (laughs) down. (laughs) And it was just a way for us to start the day off with the laughter so the day wouldn't suck as much. Were you having similar um, family experiences? Is that what kind of, or just tumultuous experiences, both individually? Um, slightly similar, but, uh, in the ways that they were different, they were intensely different, but some of the smaller things were similar. And do you think going through that together, that music was kind of a conduit that helped you kind of heal that? Because we, we'd like to think that, and I think we see at the show quite often that painful memories can be healed with music, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the way that, you know, music brings out those memories in people. So do you think that the music kind of helped? Oh, I definitely think both of us clung to that music um, from that era of our lives. There were probably like four albums on repeat that, uh, you know, kept us going 
All right, let's imagine you guys coming down Ben Hill Griffin, screaming <laughs> Midnight Memories to Midnight Memories by One Direction from their 2013 album, Midnight Memories. No, I tried to pick one of the happy songs, and I still cried a little bit. Because <laughs> yeah. it just brings back that time? Yeah, I just love Maria. She helped me out a lot. <laughs> Where's she now? Um, she lives in Fort Myers. Yeah. She had moved to Gainesville for a little bit. Um, she, I pretty much have to schedule visits with her, like a dentist office, because the girl's so busy. Yeah. Um, she has a real estate license. She went to cosmetology school. She's going back to school for business right now. She, she's a go-getter. <laughs> you going to share this with her? Uh, yeah. <laughs> what do you want to say to her right now? Because there she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about this yesterday because I kind of uh, pre-warned her. Gotcha. So uh, everything I said yesterday still stands. <laughs> hmm. um, so you said you guys shared a bed and a bathroom and a closet for six months. Mm-hmm. Then, then what? Did you like move into a place where you both had room? Or you know, kind of what was your pivot out of that time and place with her? Um. I that was I I started to kind of get on my feet financially enough to be able to afford low income housing. Actually, uh, when Ronan did his episode and he was talking about living over off of Winkler and Metro, I immediately paused the podcast episode, messaged him, and was like, "Was it this place?" And we were we both lived there. <laughs> wow! Did you know each other at the time? No, <laughs> just part of the same kind of place and scene. Yeah, I don't think it was the same time frame exactly. I think I lived there after he had lived there. Huh. But yeah, we both had some crazy stories to swap after I realized we both existed there at some point. And so you went through and finished at FGCU? Um, I did not. I ended up uh, dropping out because I could not afford to live as an adult and go to school. I understand that. Yeah. It's not too late. It took me 16 years and four schools to get my bachelor's degree. So yeah, there's I've, hope. I've, I've still thought about <laughs> coming back to it. Um but honestly, a lot of the things that I really wanted to accomplish with the degree, I feel like I've been getting to accomplish without mm-hmm. it. So I'm kind of like, let me just ride the wave of where I am right now and see what I can do. Understood. So yeah. well, let's pivot to that. Let's talk about the Set Life Pro and what you, know, what you said 2017 is when you started paying attention to local bands. Is that when it started to come together? Or tell us the origin story. Um, in 2016, I had a friend uh, that was dating someone in the scene. And they kept inviting me out, but I was always working. And then eventually I came out to a show at Pointy Bell. It was uh, KC, Floridian Slim, and 3i. Um, and then after that, I went to a couple Howl open mics. Um, this friend and uh, the musician ended up splitting up, and it wasn't the best breakup um and she has since moved away but then i decided i didn't want to leave the scene just because my friend wasn't here anymore so uh with some advice and guidance from people like frankie i was uh, suggested to kind of start my own thing and that's how set life became yeah frankie colt frankie colt someone or frankie orion i'm so sorry frankie orion um 
I, we sh we've known Frankie for so long now. Uh, mm -hmm. I love knowing the evolutions of human beings. Uh, but Frankie Orion has, uh, we've tr I've tried getting her. Tried, 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 tried. I've given up. We, we have at this point. Um, <laughs> and, and we tell anyone who suggests that we try to get her too or mentions her, we're like, let her know that we're still, you know what, but at this point, she's got to come to us. <laughs> so Frankie, uh, how, and in what way do you think that she kind of helped you, you know, pursue what you're doing with Set Life Pro? Um, she definitely was one of those people that uh, helped me have an opportunity to create any sort of platform. Like she, she guided me in the right direction of like people to meet with or people, um, places to talk to about doing shows at. And uh, any the the first couple years, anytime there was something that I was just really stuck on, she was definitely one of those people that I would ask for guidance. So you say that you approach it as uh, both like from a journalistic perspective, but as a fan. And so your goal is to try to raise the profile of local acts of all different kinds mm -hmm. uh, through a website and social media. I'm just describing it so the old people listening will understand what it is you do. <laughs> I do a printed publication as well. Okay. Um, I do a zine uh, anywhere from 12 to 20 pages long. Uh, we were doing it quarterly, but then COVID kind of messed us up. Um, and I try to have like a different local artist do the cover and then they're like our like hot topic artist in the zine and then we recently had started doing like centerfold like teen magazine kind of centerfolds with different bands and performers um, where they would be another like main article and then get as many poets and creative people I know to submit to it or uh, staff members write about people or businesses around town that they think are worth highlighting do you do any of the production work i mean are you like hands-on shooting video and editing still or are you directing the people that are doing that i know it's all hands on deck kind of thing but what are the things that you're most um, directly involved with um i usually do a portion of the editing and writing um but i'm also the editor-in-chief for the zine so like nothing gets in the magazine unless i place it there mm -hmm. um i'm the one that does the design work i do have one person on staff that wants to learn so i've been teaching her slowly how to like use indesign make her own pages we're working on a special edition zine that uh we were going to release in the summertime but we're probably going to wait till february for that one and uh, she's been building pages for that and doing a good job um my main thing right now with set life that I do would probably be the booking aspect of it. And then I try to like delegate the promotional work or flyer making as often as I can so that like everyone gets an opportunity to do something that they enjoy. And I try to only ask people to do the things they're interested in doing. That's a smart decision. Yeah. Um, so booking, you're talking about like putting bands in places where people will see them? Uh, yeah, like I do the booking at Howl Tattoo. Um, their Friday shows are set life based. Uh, the Haunted Walk at Ollie's this year is a set life project. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were doing a thing called Southwest Florida Unplugged at Ollie's where we were trying to do like a live recorded talk show, have them perform and then interview them. Um, yeah, that's pretty much Maybe yeah, you can a couple book, different venues, but maybe you could book our next whenever we can do that. Our next on location three song stories. <gasps> oh yeah, oh, that'd yeah. be cool. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've got we've got a couple ideas cooking. Um, how much has it come back from when it stopped versus before it stopped in terms of the you know f activity with bands and live events? 
Um, during COVID, we tried to work ways around it. Uh, Cody Smith is uh, pretty much my right hand man, <laughs> and uh, you know, he and I, we didn't want the scene to fizzle out just because we all had to be by ourselves. So we were trying to find ways to do live stream shows. Um, we did a series called The New Normal where we would do like Zoom interviews with people about heavy hitting topics like racism or um, just uh, like sexual assault in the community were topics that we talked about or just like the lack of female representation for bands. Um Slightly controversial, but we felt like, you know, during the the middle of the quarantine lockdown back in March and April, we felt it was necessary to have those hard conversations. So that was a project we had worked on. So we kind of didn't really slow down too much. We just altered the way we were doing things. Gotcha. Cool. Um, what was the last show you saw in town before things shut down? Do you remember? Uh, it was at Howl. It was Andy's birthday party. Hmm. Uh, I'm a staff member at Howl, but I was off. Um, so I was just there as a spectator. But uh, can I remember the full lineup off the top of my head? I want to say Emerald Vision was a part of it. Valiant, Andy's band burned at the stake, of course. I think there was one more performance. Which Andy announced on our podcast yeah, say, one he... year ago, like today, his episode came out. So while we were recording this wow. anyway, which is the 23rd Nothing of October. Is a coincidence. I know. That's why I thought that was really funny. Uh, so, hi, Andy. <laughs> um, favorite venue in town? I don't know. I want to put you on the spot since you book stuff. So, But do you have a favorite place You know that you think is good to see shows like the kinds you like to see? I mean, it kind of depends on mood. Like, I'm a big fan of kava bars, so I I like to support the kava bars when I have the opportunity to, but because I work at a venue, it's a little hard to support all the venues I like in town. Um, I mean, Howl's the obvious, and it's not just because I'm employed there, <laughs> but uh, Howl was the first venue I started regularly going to right. back in 2016, 2017. And so it kind of became like my home away from home. And uh, I get those vibes when I'm at Ollie's and Rackham as well. Um, the owners of both of those establishments have always been uh, really um, positive towards any of my ideas and encouraging. And uh, like Andy Howell and then Andy uh, from Rackham were pretty much the two venues that were like, no, you could do this stuff. When I felt like a lot of people were just like, who the heck are you? Hmm, cool. Um, so you said that that 1D show, see what I did there, Tara? That 1D show was your first show, right? Uh, my first arena concert. First real concert, big concert. Yeah. Um, what was your best one you've ever seen? Are we sticking with strictly arena concerts? Just big concert, something big. I don't know if necessarily arena, but just something bigger. You know, maybe a club in Orlando that has three thousand people in it or bigger. I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to say Sunfest Music Festival. That'll work. Yeah, that absolutely works. Sure. Um, just because the year that we went was an insane lineup, it was like. Lenny Kravitz, um, Sammy Hagar, Paramore, Fallout Boy, Cascade, AWOL Nation, 
uh, Schoolboy Q. So I had like little bits and pieces of all these different genres that I was into. And like every night of that was just so spectacular, performance after performance, and just like running this mile from one stage to the next because it's just like part of the downtown West Palm area blocked off. You know, we've been doing this show that you're like 142nd episode we've recorded, and I've been waiting for somebody to bring up AWOL Nation because I really love AWOL Nation to this day. See my hat? I'm wearing an AWOL Nation <laughs> He is wearing one right now. <laughs> so the night before they performed, Schoolboy Q was, and there were two kids in front of us. They were probably underage drinking. The one dude was just like falling over, clearly way too inebriated. And I kind of go into mama bear mode sometimes. Sure. So I was just like aggressively like, this kid needs to get his shit together. <laughs> and I assisted a security guard in like getting him away from the crowd and then just went back to my thing. Well, the very next day when we went over to go see AOL Nation, the same security guard standing there and he just grabs me and my two friends and threw us into VIP. Huh. And I was just like, we get to be right up on the stage. Was it great? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. I saw them. Um, this is, I, I was. I used to work at the Alliance for the Arts. I used to have minions that were my interns. <laughs> and this minion came along named Adam, I think. Adam? You may have gone to school with him. Tall, blonde guy, really into music. Anyway, he's who introduced me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, he he, uh, he he introduced me to them through you know gave me their album and I was just like these guys are really good and so then they came to um, Orlando or Tampa it was Tampa Tampa and we went up and saw them in a place that was you know maybe fifteen hundred people and it mm-hmm. was one of the best shows I've ever seen and they opened for Imagine Dragons oh cool and then, but they ca- they sounded like they were playing to a click track like mm-hmm. they came out and they were just like we are musicians and, but uh, AWOL Nation was like rocking you know yeah they had a lot of uh high energy performance when we saw them yeah i don't know if they do much that's not high (laughs) (laughs) uh okay uh heading towards song three but a couple questions here um let's see rapid fire go (laughs) last time you bought music that had a physical form uh it would definitely have been within the last year I'm a big fan of CDs. I love physical copies of, um, but I know uh, my grandmother passed away in January 2019, and I received all of her cassettes, and then I went to a Tabarini Foundation um, yard sale and saw a box of cassettes, and I was like, dang, I can add to that collection my own if I buy those. So I bought a box of cassettes. Um so either that or probably the electric mud CD that Tommy re- refused for me to not accept when I tried to tip them at a show once. <laughs> <laughs> Good answers. Um, uh, do you listen to music from radio stations in your car? Yes. Yeah? I do. Um, I switch back and forth between podcasts and the radio predominantly. Every so often I will throw a CD in. Um, usually it's like... The long car rides are when I whip out the CDs. What radio station in this market would you have pre-programmed on your radio dial? Besides a WGCU, of Obviously. course. Obviously. <laughs> um, I not remember the name or the number of the station, but I, when I'm driving early in the mornings, I really like to listen to the Bobby Bones show. Hmm. Um, I think that's on Cat Country. I'm going to look. There's looking it up. Um, if you can learn an instrument instantly, which would it be? I've been working on the ukulele. It would be nice if I could be better along in it because I've been working on it for a long time. Um, but if I'm not going to count the ukulele, 
probably the cello. Hmm. My mom uh, played the cello growing up, and she recently acquired one. All right. So it is Cat Country 107.1, Southwest Florida's number one for new country. There you go. Um, <laughs> if you were a championship wrestler, what music would you come in on? Still my favorite question. Um, <laughs> Please say One Direction. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm going to say uh, either it would. it's tied between Shake It by Metro Station or uh, That's a good Don't one. Trust by 303. <laughs> Ooh, those are really good ones. I'll just show Yeah. Um, pick if you had to pick one, which one do you think it would be? Mm, I'll go with 303. Okay, now you don't have any TV themed songs committed to memory, do you? Do you? Do you? Do you? I don't think I would know a whole theme song. We mostly don't even get through the whole thing. It's mostly just the part everybody knows. Yeah, I know. Usually there's a lot of rah, rah, rah going on. It's a lot of blah, blah, blah. And then this thing about cheers. <laughs> you can also do like what Mike said earlier. What did I say? You said she could say f*** off in that question. <laughs> <laughs> so you can say that if you'd like. I think Tara said it for Let's move on to song. <laughs> Let's move on to song number three. Um, what would you like to do about song number three? Um, song number three, I felt it, uh, would only make sense if I picked a song that was relevant to this current era of my life where I'm at now professionally and personally. Um, this was the first local original song that I heard live that stopped me in my tracks, gave me goosebumps, and I actually cried while he performed it um and spoke i've spoken with him many a times about this song i know the story behind the song but when i heard it it felt like a story like it was talking to me about my situation um the song's called sorry and um it's basically apologizing to someone else but i felt like it was like a way for me to apologize to myself about things that I had been experiencing and feeling and how hard I was on myself. Where were you when you heard it? I was at uh, Open Jam at Howell a couple years ago. Were you, did you walk in when it was on, or did, were you standing there and it became the next song that came on? Uh, no, I was hanging out, and uh, he was getting ready to... I think it might have been his first or second song, um, but, I mean, I'd only seen him perform a couple times before that, so I didn't really have any relationship or connection with him. Um, now he's definitely, like, up there on my list of people that I uh, care and hold very closely to my heart. Were you working at Howl at the time? Mm-mm. No, I was just uh, a patron. Oh. I was just an avid. As soon as I got off work, booked it to Howl for the open mic because it was my favorite thing to look forward to. Oh, wonderful. Well, let's uh, listen to it, thinking about you there doing that. Uh, this is Sorry by Zid and the 25 from the 2017 album 21 Apologies. What's that make you feel here today? I'm really proud of my friends. Yeah. I have a lot of cool friends that are really creative, and uh, yeah, hearing that song just like 
reminds me how how much work and talent a lot of these people that I know put into their crafts. Were you already um, doing the set life stuff then, or was that right at the beginning of it? Um, that would have been uh, shortly after the birth of set life, because set life started in August, and I feel like the first time I saw Dixon would have been uh, closer to like September, October. Okay, so right there at the day, early yeah. days, yeah. Um, and he he ended up being my first sound guy ever when uh, I had a. Uh, an establishment that wasn't a venue, but they wanted to be one. Mm-hmm. Have me do like a monthly showcase there of original music to contrast their uh, cover band nights. And he was the one <laughs> that was like, I'll do sound for you. We got this and believed in it when I wasn't even sure if I believed in it. Isn't that great to have somebody that believes in it and that you can trust that can actually pull it off? Oh, absolutely. And wow, how that came full circle. You see him at Howl on open mic when he's doing his solo Zid in the 25. And then he's also in Cobras as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and he runs sound for you. And now he's one of your friends. Like, and then that moment, I'm sure you had no conceivable idea that all of that would come to fruition from seeing one human being on stage. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, I mean, nowadays... I when I see someone new on stage, it's kind of what I look forward to. It's like, oh, I'm gonna make them my friend. <laughs> like, <laughs> do you perform music by chance? Also, I don't know Ooh, why I had no. it in my head that you, you sang. I don't know why I thought that. Forget it. She's um, working on the ukulele. <laughs> yeah, there's about like seven people that have heard me sing, and they're all gonna tell you that I'm decent. But we're gonna say that they're all lying. So quickly, when you think of this song from Zid, um, now when you hear it, do you think of that moment when you first saw him? Does it bring you back to that place always? Uh, yeah, he uh, every so often when he would come out and perform uh, or agree to be on a show for me, he usually pulls that one out and he'll uh, you know shout out his wife Leslie because that's the song's dedicated to but then he usually gives me a nod and he's like i'm only just playing this because you're here because he likes to play the newer stuff (laughs) oh that's really nice um yeah you say when you see like a new band or musician up there and you think i'm going to make you my friend um you know do you do you want this to is this a southwest florida thing by nature or is it just a southwest florida birthed by nature thing that you want to just go as big as you can with it in terms of you know the scope of what could be accomplished, like, kind of like with us with this show, you know, you kind of keep getting more pronounced, you know, people, and you might try to scale it up. Um, we there have been talks and opportunities over the years of expanding it, but um, for the most part at this moment, I feel like uh, the the goals for Set Life should be to build our community first, mm-hmm. and uh, so we have spent the last three years just trying to focus real heavy and hard on building up the creatives around here and trying to build a platform that really showcases how unique Southwest Florida is. Have you recently, or, you know, within the last five, six months, come across any new acts or bands locally that you're excited about that you haven't really had a chance to work that much with? I mean, the last six months have been COVID, yeah. So it's a little... um, I have developed further appreciation for a couple hip hop artists that I've known prior to this that have released some things um, uh, during all of this uh, pandemic crisis. I also met uh, 
this kid, Colin Roberts. Um, he's in high school still, uh, but he's performed a couple times at the Ollie's Open Mic, and I can't wait to see where he goes with music. Um, what kind of music does he do? He's like a singer-songwriter, a little like Ed Sheeran-y kind of kid. Oh, cute. Yeah. So I'd like to see him grow as a musician over the next couple years. Um, karaoke? You just said that people tell you that you can sing, but they're lying. So where does karaoke lie on that? Never. Never? Never. Ever, ever. You've never done it? <laughs> no. And nothing's going to get I've you to. I've done it once because Jay That's Gardner never. signed me up for a Bon Jovi song, <laughs> and I didn't want to do it. Was it when he was in that band? <laughs> John uh, what was the song? Do you remember? That's not the kind of thing you forget, is it? Um, I'm pretty sure it was Dead or Alive. Nice. And he signed us up for it and then disappeared. And it was at the Howl karaoke nights when they did that for a little bit. Yeah. And I wanted to cry because I thought they were going to make me go up there anyway. And then 10 people hopped up on stage. So pretty much half of the people that were inside at the time ended up singing it along on stage. So I was like, cool, I don't have to actually do this and just slowly walked off stage. (laughs) Just slowly back away. Into the, Into the bushes. Yeah, just the exactly. Like I was like, to the bathroom I go. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite band or something or someone who you've maybe listened to or given the most of your attention to? I feel like I just bounce back and forth so much that a favorite band is kind of a hard thing. It just, like, depends on... What's happened to me that week? You know, am I gonna fall back into a Fallout Boy phase? What's your favorite band this week? Um, well, I'm I'm gearing up for the Haunted Walk this weekend, so probably Valiant. They're a local band. Um, their first show was Battle of the Bands that I hosted last year, and they won. I went to high school with a couple of those guys, and uh, now I'm pretty good friends with all of them. And where is Haunted Walk? Um, it's going to be at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> you said that already. I always think of Haunted Walk as the Calusa Nature Center in Fort Myers, oh, but yeah. I don't even think they're doing it this year. I think they are. I feel like I saw something on the news yesterday about it. Well, I should look it up. Um, my daughter worked it last year. She was so excited. She was 14. She got to go be a scarer, I guess. Yeah. That works. A scarer. A scarer. Uh, do you have a fourth song that almost made it to your list that you had to kick off? Um, I had like 12 songs, but um, (laughs) uh, I thought about picking a song that kind of summarized the March and April part of this COVID quarantine pandemic. um, And I went back and forth between um, a Paramore song and a Dominic Fike song. Um, But fourth would probably have ended up being Hard Times by Paramore. Just because we were in such a state of like shock and confusion. I mean, we're all a bunch of like 20 something year olds in a house that were just like, what is happening to the world right now? And uh, we had this playlist we played on repeat that was kind of like a comfort playlist. And Hard Times was that one where like everyone in the house is, you know, walking around jamming and singing it and just trying to view it as like, this is what our time is right now. It's just a hard time. Um, if you only could have one album again for the rest of your listening life, what would it be? 
That's not a fair question. I know. It's Wait till really you hear hard. our next one that's even hard. less fair. They're hard for me to answer, so just, yeah. I think I'd go with Night at the Opera by Queen, now Ooh. that I think about it. I'm sure I said something else in my episode, but that's what I'm going with today. Um, I think I'm going to... I'm sure there's like a million albums from earlier days that would probably be better suit, but... um. The Happiness Begins album from the Jonas Brothers that they recently released. Um, I never got to see them perform back when they were children. Uh, it was just one of those, like, man, I wish I could go see a Jonas Brother concert. But then I got to go see three of their concerts when they came back with their reunion tour for this album. And uh, the third concert I went to with Maria and... Uh, that that album I played on repeat until my CD literally stopped working. Still in there, uh, in that car, wherever that. Uh, car no, it, it'll eject from my van. Oh, it just but, and like other CDs will work, but that one no longer works. Wow, you broke it. <laughs> I didn't know I could out. do that. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that either. Okay, well that's a good answer. Um, what would your fourteen-year-old self think of who you are today? I think for the most part, my 14-year-old self would be pretty impressed that I made it this far yeah. <laughs> and that I accomplished things. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think that that would happen. <laughs> okay. Well, you, you are, and thank you, and congratulations. <laughs> um, okay. This is the hard question that I just alluded to. So you've got your three songs in front of you. You've got your Bon Jovi song, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got your Midnight Memory song, and you've got your Sorry song. One of those songs you have to erase from existence. All right, which song is that? Poof. That's the easiest way to do it. Go one by a time. That's a good point, yeah. uh, Tara. Yeah. I tried to call you three other things before I said Tara. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that's a terrible question. Thank you. <laughs> do you want to hear the other two? You can circle back. Yeah. Okay, the next one is you're going to pick one of these three songs that you will guarantee it sort of future pos- prospect, posterity and people will know about it. In other words, 100 years from now, that song's still going to be like in the top 100 or something. Okay? So you're like guaranteeing its future. And then the third song becomes music to you, and it's the only song you get to listen to for the rest of your life. It looks like we just broke the worst news to her that she never heard in her entire life. She hit a wall. Um, um, okay, so song you're gonna get rid of forever. Bye. We could do with Les Bon Jovi. Come on, Michael. (laughs) I thought about that, but then if I can only listen to one song forever, I have to listen to it on repeat, and like I think I could handle. Last Cigarette on repeat okay. longer okay. than I could handle Midnight Memories. Got it. Okay. All right. So song you listen to, that's the only song you listen to forever is Bon Jovi. Yeah. All right. So now okay. song you will eliminate out of existence forever. Midnight Memories because One Direction has other bangers. Got it. Okay. <laughs> and then, and then uh, uh, Sorry becomes, uh, well, great. Then you've yeah. just taken a local song and made it into one of the most popular songs in history. Boom. There made you your friend famous. <laughs> uh, okay. And your last uh, task here is to re- recommend three people who you'll share this with that you think we could get on. Well, Cody said Brian Lombardo. 
So I'm going to go with the other half of City of Palms and say Danny Lombardo. Okay. Because he was interesting and slept on. Perfect. <laughs> Maybe a duel. We'll never we don't know. We do fun things sometimes. That would be really entertaining. <laughs> I think I think the the four of you would be a really entertaining episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh Hmm. Amanda Howell mm. from Psychic Dose. I think she's a really interesting person. I don't know her super well, but I've known her for yeah, a while. We, we 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 Facebook and social media, so I'll reach out to her. Yeah, she, she's That's a very a entertaining one. person, and she's got cool taste in music. She's super spooky like me. Yeah, and uh, third person. Say Sid. Yeah, that's the obvious one, though. <laughs> He's going to be famous. He's going to be famous, though, A hundred years from now. You had a, a hand in that, literally. <laughs> he would probably be my fourth pick if I had a fourth. Um, my third, I think I would say uh, Jeff Frey. He's the director of the a Related Matter and uh, the most recent film that I've worked on, Every Second Counts. He's a cool dude. Um He's a really nice person, too, and I think he would have some interesting stories. Okay. we will. Uh, you, you share this with them. We will try to connect with them. Do you have any final thoughts? You've made it to the end. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Uh, support local businesses. Uh, wear a mask when you do it. Tip your bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> we make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and hosts sometimes. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. Our theme song was created by Dave, Dave, Dave Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going back a year to episode 89 with harpist Barbara Fisher. Her first song comes from the classic TV show The Honeymooners because it takes her back to being a kid, striking up a friendship of sorts with one of its stars. Somebody steps on a cat And the next door neighbor's kid is screaming too There was an episode where Ralph and Ed um, tried to be songwriters and stuff. And so... Actually, not too long ago, I was re-watching that episode, and it kind of brought back all these memories. Um, so I was obsessed with the Honeymooners in, like, middle and high school. Again, not a typical my generation person, but whatever. We've already established that I'm a weirdo. Um, and so Joyce Randolph, um, act, one of the actresses who played Trixie Norton, I wrote to her. I sent her a birthday card. Her birthday's in October, too. And then she wrote back, and it was awesome. Um, How old would you have been at the time? I would have been... Like 12, 13, okay, something okay. like that. And then come to find out her wedding anniversary was on my birthday, which, of course, I thought was really cool. So we wrote back and forth for a while. Um, and she, this is going to sound like I'm totally making this up, but she even called the house when I was um, younger. And I just, you know, felt like hot stuff, I'm sure. Keep listening. Does the sound have to be off? Um, um, how many hours do you want? Next time on Three Song Stories. Are the teaks still around? The teaks are still around. I was a teak in 1990. Oh, my God. <laughs> do they, they don't still live in that shitty little house at the end of the cul-de-sac, do they? Oh, they might. Yeah. Teak. I, uh, goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. That's what my grandma used to say. She would have said it, too, when I got my 0. 0.75 GPA my Oof. first semester because I joined the frickin' teaks.